on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. I do feel that it is um, often misdiagnosed. It's an easy target. You know, it's there. Everybody already knows about it. How many people do you think that we've seen that like they were diagnosed with a rotator cuff tear? They come in like, I got to get surgery. I had a rotator cuff tear and they just start flaring their arms all over the place. I'm like, well, that's a pretty good rotator. What you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple house in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. One of these days, I'm going to change that intro. It's kind of getting boring. It is getting boring. I know. I do much more than physical therapy. That's true. I know. That's true. <laughs> so do you. Yeah, I know. So do you. I know. We'll have to change our names, titles, everything. Yeah. It's going to it's gonna happen. But we'll anyways. come up with some cool names. Yeah. That would be cool. We'll figure it out. I know. I know. Next time. Next time. We'll get you. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we had some actually great guests on the show. Uh, We had Dr. Jeff Newman and we had Aaron Murray, both of which were great podcasts. Aaron stuck around, did a uh, workshop, which was enlightening. And Mm -hmm. so many people love that. We got a lot of good feedback on that. So looking forward to her coming back and and doing some more talks with us um, because that that was pretty cool. So, just scratch the surface. Um, yes. Just scratch the surface. This is true, but stay tuned. We got some good guests coming up. Um, we do. I will mention that at the end, but we're all lined up for like the next two months, so it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, we don't have a guest today, but we do have a topic that um, we know a lot of people can relate to. And uh, like Nick said in the last episode, um, we really haven't talked about the upper extremity. And yes, we, have not. we do treat shoulders, elbows, necks. A lot of them. Wrists. Yeah. We touch a hand every now and then, but it's, you know, we, we treat upper extremities. We do that too. Um, so today we're going to talk about the shoulder, specifically the rotator cuff, or as some people would call it, the rotary cup. The rotary cup. The rotary cup. The old famous rotary cup. But it's rotator cuff for all of you guys that were not sure on the fence. Um, so <laughs> let me just start by saying the word rotary cup or rotator cuff. Um, is probably used way too much. And uh, I think it's one of those words too that people just automatically associate with shoulder pain. Like somebody has shoulder pain, they're like, is oh, it your rotator, rotator cuff? cuff? Yeah. Dude, it's your rotator cuff. I have one of those. It's gotta I know be. somebody that had one of those. Um, so I think it's just, it's one of those things that we, we want to kind of like debunk today. You know, and I, I do feel that it is um, often misdiagnosed. It's an easy target. You know, it's, it's there. Everybody already knows about it. They're already expecting somebody to say rotator cuff. And then when they say it, they're like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Um, so we've seen a lot of this over the years. Um, I mean, how many people do you think that we've seen that like they were diagnosed with a rotator cuff tear? They come in like, I got to get surgery. I had a rotator cuff tear and they just start flaring their arms all over the place. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good rotator cuff tear. That is. So, right. <laughs> that compensates real well. Not to say that there couldn't be a tear in there, yeah. um, but that's also not unusual, you know, but, uh, to have a full thickness tear and be flailing your arms up and down, it's. It's very unlikely. Um, but anyways, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, some research that's back behind it. Nick, Nick's big into that. So you'll get a little bit of that as well. Um, but rotator cuff injuries are common. They are. Um, in fact, uh, 
they're probably the most common thing that we see in terms of shoulder pain, I would say, uh, and probably the most common thing that doctors see as well, uh, which probably is the reason why there's so many surgeries on it as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but we want to clear some things up with the rotator cuff. We want to educate you a little bit about what that is um, and what makes that up, because I don't think people actually really understand <laughs> what the rotator cuff is, right? They think it's a cup. I know. It's, oh, that's, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. It's a cuff. Um, and it, because it's a ball and socket, maybe they just think the ball goes in the cup. Oh, <laughs> solid. That's really, that's solid. That could be. And that, that could, could be. be very misleading because that could be. the shoulder, not like a ball in a cup. That's right. That's not right. like a ball in a cup. All right, Nick, what's the rotator cuff? All right. So we think you guys should, like Chad said, have an understanding of what the rotator cuff is. So the rotator cuff is actually a group of four muscles in the shoulder. So. Yes, when you are told, oh, you just have a rotator cuff tear. Well, that doesn't tell us where the tear is, what muscle it's in. There's four of them. And sometimes, yeah, you can have multiple affected. But the the four muscles, the name, I'll give you the names, but you don't necessarily have to know them. It's the supraspinatus, the infraspinatus, the teres minor, and the subscapularis. All fancy terms. But basically, these muscles sit, two of them sit really on the back of the shoulder blade and wrap around to the to the arm bone the humerus okay and then one kind of sits on the top and then one sits on the front front side of the shoulder blade and that one is the subscapularis that rests in between the shoulder blade and your rib cage okay so it's a kind of in a funky area you can't really get to it um you know with fingers too much you can kind of touch a little bit of it but it's hard to get to um but these these muscles all work together now, if we're talking tears, the most commonly torn is the, sub, uh, the supraspinatus. That's the one on the top. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we go. But these muscles have to, um, you know, function as a group. And most people, because it's called the rotator cuff, they think it's, oh, it's rotation. Okay, they do rotation. Yes, they assist with the movement of rotation and, and you know, help the arm move in that direction. But really, we want you to think about these muscles as maintaining the joint, the shoulder joint centered. And what we mean by that is think about it, like I said, it's a ball in a socket, but really because there's so much freedom of movement in that shoulder, think of it more like a golf ball on a tee. And whenever you're moving that arm, that golf ball has to stay centered on the tee, okay? And these, that's really what the rotator cuff muscles as a group do. Whenever you move your arm, flail it around through space, that rotator cuff is firing and contracting to make sure that the ball stays roughly centered in the socket okay now you know there there is um fluidity to this right like it doesn't have to stay perfect the whole time and everybody's different but it has to roughly stay in that that you know golf ball in a tee position as you move about space so that is the way that you want to think about that okay now when you think about a golf ball on a tee a golf ball could be knocked off a tee pretty easily okay don't think that your shoulder is that fragile. Okay, so that's just a, a picture for you to imagine the bony surfaces. But then around that golf ball on the tee, you have all these muscles and tissues, ligaments, labrum, all this kind of stuff to help keep it there. So don't think of it as being so easily knocked out of the, the socket as a golf ball on the tee. But um, think that that rotator cuff wraps around to keep that centered there. Okay, and then the other thing I want everybody to think about when it comes to the rotator cuff is... These muscles are super, super dense. They're small, but they're very, very dense. Their tissue's dense. So think about tightly packed dirt, okay, and water trying to seep through that dirt. If you were to, you know, have plants growing in this really, really firmly packed soil and then you try to water them, it takes a while for that water to seep through that tightly packed dirt. Same thing because your your rotator cuff muscles are so dense. 
Same thing with blood flow. So that's why a lot of people will, you know, go to exercise and they're like, oh, my shoulder is so sore. It's so stiff. It doesn't feel very good. And then within five, 10 minutes, you're like, oh, it feels much better. Right. Because it took a while for that, that all that tissue to get the adequate oxygen and blood flow that it, it requires for that activity. So think about it that way. That's why warming up for shoulder, you know, exercise or really activity that involves a lot of shoulder movement is super, super beneficial and really, you know, should, should be done to some extent. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just warming those, those tissues up to get them ready for the activity is crucial. Chad, anything to touch upon with anatomy there? No, I think you hit it, man. All right, cool. Solid. All right. So let's get into this whole concept or, you know, diagnosis of the rotator cuff tear. Now, Chad mentioned that it's one of the most common injuries. It's, it accounts for like, I think it's like 70% of doctor's visits for shoulder pain and it's growing. Um, the, there's increased rates of rotator cuff repair done annually and, you know, more and more people are reporting shoulder pain. So it is, it is a concern. There's no doubt about that, but the reality of it is that these injuries are really, really multifactorial, um, like all injuries, really. All injuries are. But the rotator cuff tear is an interesting one because, you know, we see a lot of chronic tears. And what I mean by that is tears that, you know, you've had some shoulder pain here and there. It started to get worse. And then you go see a doctor. You get an image. It's like, oh, my rotator cuff is torn. I don't know when I did it, but I guess it tore at some point. Right. So that could be, you know, just kind of gradual tearing over time. Could be just some fraying. It could be, yeah, you did injure it at some point, then it didn't fully heal well. So there's a lot of stuff that could be going on here. So when we think about it, right, it's a little different from other other injuries. You know, you think about someone tearing something in their knee. A lot of times that's an acute people know when they did it. You know, they know when it happened. Not not always, but you know, more often. So it is something that, you know, this, this is a little bit more chronic. It tends to be more chronic in nature. There are the, some people that will have their acute tears of the rotator cuff um, a lot of times from like a fall on an outstretched arm. But the chronic ones don't tend to do as well in our clinical experience with surgery versus the person who falls on their arm, had immediate shoulder pain, went to a doctor within a few days imaging showed rotator cuff tear. It was likely that fall that did it, or at least that worse than that. And then they're in surgery in another couple weeks, right? So those people tend to do really, really well. The chronic ones, uh, they're kind of across the board. <laughs> they're all over the place. And that's kind of what we want to talk today. It's, it's, you know, we're not saying don't ever do surgery to pair a rotator cuff, but give it, give it some time, you know, try conservative treatment, and we will appeal to any physical therapist listening to because, you know, we can do better. We can absolutely do better. So, um, but that's the reality with, with rotator cuff tears. A lot of times they're present a lot longer than you think, right? So the more, the, the, the longer something is present, the more variables can, can play a role, you know, and we're learning a lot more um, about rotator cuff tears and what can be involved. We're learning that diabetes and metabolic health are intertwined to some extent. So now we're like, oh, okay, what role is that playing with an individual? So there's a lot of factors that can be present. But nonetheless, rotator cuff tears are much more common than people would think. Okay. And there is some research that it's all over the board. It's, you know, anywhere from 
you know, the 20s, 30s of people without symptoms up to like, you know, three quarters of people. So three out of every four people have some kind of tear in their rotator cuff without knowing it. You know, they don't have symptoms or they have mild symptoms, not not significant enough to send them to the doctor. And that's across the board too. That's not even just like yeah, rotator cuff tears. Yeah. That could be labral tears. For sure. That could be, sure. you know, muscle strain, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of that research on, on labrums too. And that's why we, we get weary about shoulder labrums and hip labrums when people are like, oh yeah, I've had this hip pain. You know, a doctor said it's it's a torn labrum and it needs to be fixed. It's like, whoa, hold on. All right, let's 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 see what's going on here. W- number one, why is this torn in the first place? Is there an underlying root cause, mechanics, how I move, that kind of stuff? Is it my sport? Is it, you know, my particular activity? So again, a lot of factors that we need to weigh and, and consider. But nonetheless, there is higher rates than you would imagine of rotator than most people would imagine. So don't just say, oh, it's torn. I got to go get that repaired, right? So remember, your body is much more complex than just that, okay? And there was an interesting systematic review in 2014, and the conclusion of this I will read verbatim. The prevalence of rotator cuff abnormalities in asymptomatic people is high enough for degeneration of the rotator cuff to be considered a common aspect of normal human aging and to make make it difficult to determine when an abnormality is new or the cause of symptoms. All right. So that is the conclusion of a big systematic review that basically compiles data from a bunch of studies. And they just said that it's pretty normal for people to endure this at some point living on earth with gravity. Okay. So that is a big, big factor, right? Does that mean that oh, no, you shouldn't get surgery because it's normal? No, not necessarily, but we have to weigh the options. You can't just jump right to it, you know, and say, I need this right away. Um, so that's that's big, big, big picture right there. Uh, anything to add to that, Chad? With Okay, cool. Cool. So let's get into a little bit more of the research. That was kind of like the overarching research, but let's go into surgery because I think it's worthwhile, I know, we both experienced this. People are like, oh yeah, I'm going for rotator cuff repair. And you're like, okay, were you like educated on this particular surgery? Were you prepped for this? And people are like, no, oh, no, doctor said I'm going to be back to golf in six months. It's oh, like, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. do you know what happens in zero to six months? <laughs> like, uh, it's a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty significant <laughs> surgery. Yes, they're yes. small muscles. Um, yes, most of the time it's either fully scope or partial scope, depending on the surgeon. You know, so you're not having these big, big incisions. And um, so that that kind of gives people the impression that, hey, this is going to be easy. But this is one of the more, like, grueling rehab processes. I, I also want to say, too, um, that most people that get this surgery, um, they're prepared for the worst. Because everybody yeah. that I've talked to has had the worst, quote-unquote, experience yeah. with PT after um, surgery. And that's not always the case. But... Like Nick said, it can be grueling at times. But I will say this. Um, you have to prepare yourself to push yourself. Because if you For don't, sure. um, then we face uh, adhesive capsulitis, which is frozen mm-hmm. shoulder, uh, which yep. is probably one of the worst things we see. Yep. I think it's actually worse than rotator cuff surgery, only because um, there's only a few ways to make that better. And they yeah. all suck. So it's true. <laughs> So, so yeah. um, I would say that before you have that surgery, you need to mentally prep yourself to get your range of motion. Like yeah, you need to just sure. be good with it. Be good for with the sure. process because sure. there's no other way to do this. Um, so yeah, 
with absolutely that said. absolutely um and again this isn't to scare you people from going in for surgery like we want you to have all the knowledge so surgery like there's some amazing surgeons out there that we we see the, these patients post-op and we're like wow this is incredible how this person can move like this already like this surgeon did, clearly did a fantastic job you know so the surgery can be super super effective and yeah people can get back to a point without the pain they had preoperatively all that kind of stuff and it's great but you have to understand what the 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 process ahead involves you know in typical rehab for a rotator cuff repair is typically you know the first roughly six weeks could be a little sooner would just be passive range so you're stuck in this sling unless you're doing exercises or being stretched by the pt and you know you're sleeping in a recliner like it's it's um you know very very little um that you can actually do day to day with that shoulder other than your exercises you know and then in the next six weeks would be more focused on active range of motion regaining the ability to to have you move your arm versus someone else or an object moving it and then you know around that 12 weeks or three months is where we get back into some form of resistance okay so it's a long time and there's like chad said you're pushing yourself quite a bit okay so that is is um you know an important thing to understand but Nonetheless, there are pretty high retail rates for this orthopedic surgery compared to other orthopedic surgeries. And actually, the research indicates that from first small to intermediate tears, this retail rate can be anywhere from 7 to 41%. And for large tears, large full thickness tears, it can range from 20 to 94, which is kind of crazy that any research shows that it's 94 but that's that's something to take into consideration too, um, when it comes to, you know, all your variables present, right? The the retail rate's a little higher. You need to, you know, be smart with your rehab and really, you know, listen to what the physical therapist and and the doctor are telling you because it's important. There's things that you probably shouldn't be doing shortly after surgery, and the research also tells us that that people don't comply with their uh, mobility restrictions very well. For example. Um, reaching behind your back, probably not great just because it puts some, some decent pressure on the repair itself. Um, and I personally have seen, um, only a handful of people, but they just instinctively reach back to like put a belt in or something like that. And they pop the thing. They just pop, pop the, uh, the work that the surgeon did right out of place and they have to go get it redone, you know? So it happens. Again, it's not to scare you, but it's just to say, okay, you have to be smart with this. You have to understand what you're going through and be aware that, you know, this is, is part of all part of the process, all part of the healing process. We also want you to understand that this process can take time too. So it's, you know, yes, you have to be patient, but you, we also want you to understand what you're getting. So if you feel that you are, you know, in a place after rotator cuff, or maybe you're trying to avoid surgery, um, and you, you need to know the care that you're getting and it's the care that you need, right? So Correct. if you're not getting the care that you feel like you need, you need to go somewhere else or have a uh, conversation with whoever's working with you. Um, and it's, we only say that because we see this all the time, you know, people yeah. come to us three to four months later, sure. they're still in the first like phase, maybe in the second phase of their recovery, but they're two months behind. Mm -hmm. So they're still in the first phase, even though they should be in like the third phase, you yeah. know? Um, and we're working on a frozen shoulder instead of working on a rotator cuff repair. Yep. So um, just know that if you're not pushing yourself in the beginning or you're not getting pushed, um, you need to find somebody that's going to yeah. do that for you. 
And it, it also speaks to, so the higher retail rates, again, we don't want to scare you, but the, a part of that tells me, at least this is where my mind goes, is that, okay, if the retail rate is that high, clearly there was something going on with you know the way the individual moves, their mechanics, all that kind of stuff yep. that is part of the root cause for this tear in the first place that we didn't address, right? So that's why pre-op PT can be super, super helpful because we may even be able to say, if you have someone come in six weeks prior to surgery, you may even be, be able to get them in a place that they feel great that they don't have to go for surgery. That's ideal, right? Or you get them in a p- place where now they're moving better. So post-operatively, they're less likely to re-tear, okay? And that's where, you know, you want to be thinking too. It's like, okay, I tore, what did I do? Like kind of go through your your individual variables. How am I moving? How am I um, sleeping, sitting, standing? You know, how am I doing everything really? All my activities. And am I noticing any kind of shoulder discomfort when I do those? Are there things I can change? Are there things I can manipulate? Are there ways, you know, that I can move better throughout the day or even just move more so I'm not stagnant, putting pressure on certain areas of the shoulder all day? So treating those underlying causes is huge when it comes to not retiring afterwards. So you want to do that due diligence prior to surgery so you give yourself the best best chance for a positive outcome. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think finding the underlying issue to a shoulder issue is is a super important, right? Because if they go back to doing the same thing they were doing before, that was kind of all for nothing. Um, And I will, and I've said this on many podcasts and I'll say it again, but um, (laughs) uh, is it the shoulder that's really at fault? I don't know. Is it the shoulder? Question mark. We'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it's not. Um, And if it's not, why are we spending so much time strengthening up the shoulder shoulder when we don't need to, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're big on that. You know, so we've said it numerous times, you know, if you're looking only at the area of pain, you are looking way too narrow because it's not, it's not usually the fault of that area. It's somewhere else. So, you know, we're looking to the the thoracic spine, the rib cage, obviously with that comes the scapula, the shoulder blade, because that rests on the rib cage. Super, super important. So we're looking at all those areas trying to, um, you know, drive some mobility in the thoracic spine, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, if you're an active, I mean, if you're an athlete or you're an active individual, you could make your way down to the hips. You could make it down to the way to the feet. You could have a a great, great uh, discussion about, you know, the foot and how that can make its way all the way up to the shoulder, especially in those, those athletes that are really generating some serious torque. Yeah. And that's part of our appeal to the physical therapists out there. We can do better, right? If we're just, yeah, obviously early on after a rotator cuff repair, we want to regain some mobility in the shoulder. Yeah, that's not phase one, of course. You, you'd be surprised <laughs> how much mobility you can regain faster if you work on some trunk rotation. But think about all the stuff that you could be doing in the beginning yep. that could prepare them for phase for sure. three, four, you know, yeah. that you could just get a, without uh, a doubt, a little advantage there. Without mm-hmm. a doubt. All right, let's, um, let's talk about some of the results because this is always a a topic of discussion when it comes to orthopedic surgeries it's like oh what's better long term you know this getting the surgery or conservative management with pt and for some some surgeries it's it's uh it's interesting the long-term results with rotator cuff it's it's actually tends to be in the favor of the surgery um so there was numerous studies i believe they were they were all like five and ten year follow-ups and the results comparing operative to non-operative, yeah, they tend to be in favor of surgery long-term. 
However, you know, there was an interesting study that was done in 2018 that showed retair was predicted, literally predicted by the extent of muscle atrophy of the supraspinatus. So they were looking primarily at that top muscle. And then also the amount of fatty infiltration of the muscle. Okay. So fatty infiltration, just there's increased fat tissue in the muscle when we should have muscle, right? So this is an interesting indication that, okay, muscle mass and really obesity, right? Amount of fat, fatty tissue in your body are crucial when it comes to the health of your rotator cuff. So this data could very well be skewed by just the yeah. decreased health in our population. Uh, uh, you totally. Know? I think so, you could say that about most research. And predictive. Like, that's kind of crazy that it actually, they could predict within five to 10 years if they were going to retear based on this. Was, and I, the numbers were, were like, you know, it was like if um, the, in, the extent of muscle atrophy was determined by the cross-sectional area. So how much area the muscle took up in the space it was supposed to be in. So, and if it decreased by more than 43%, those people were going to retear. Like it was predictive of that. And then they use like a, a grading system for the amount of fat tissue within the, the muscle, but good indication that, Hey, keep, keep, if not gaining muscle mass, maintaining muscle mass throughout the lifespan to make sure that your rotator cuff stays healthy, even after a repair and don't have excessive fatty tissue because that's going to infiltrate your muscles if you do, and it's going to make the muscles not function as well, which is more likely to retear. So that's that's some interesting data for the long term. So again, not trying to just say that the data is, you know, it's it's skewed. Yes, surgery can be very very effective. Again, we're trying to just drive this home because we don't want people to listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, they said don't get surgery. <laughs> Uh, you yeah, know, that's definitely not what we're saying. Because that's because that people can do that sometimes. Yes. So yes, we're yes. not saying that. But hey. Think about all these other factors that are at play here yes. and gain some muscle mass. Get rid of some And some fat. of this is preventive. Get rid of some too. fat. Like yeah, if exactly. you're listening to this now and you're like, yeah. oh, well, I could probably prevent this from happening in the future if yeah. I do X, Y, Z. Yep. Yep. So just get strong, stay strong, you know, try to, try to lose a little bit of fat and you're good. You know, your rotator cuff's going to be all right. Yeah. So that was, that was an interesting, that was a really cool study. It still kind of blows my mind that it was, it was predictive, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So like I had mentioned before, there's some other research that's now linking diabetes and dyslipidemia to retail rates. So this um, this factor of uh, insulin resistance, right? So not handling your, your sugar very well in the bloodstream and then also having excessive fats in the blood, which is linked to, you know, clots, strokes, things like that. So again, going back to me metabolic health, right? So we're trying to preach this whole, okay, get stronger, improve your metabolic health, right? And that's naturally going to help your rotator cuff, whether it's you, you don't have any pain and you, you, you're just trying to stay, avoid surgery, or you've had pain and you're considering surgery, you might get surgery. If you do get surgery, this is going to help whether you get surgery or not. Okay. Again, not saying don't do surgery. We just have to drive that home so people don't take it out of context. Um, I have some other studies, but is there anything else you want to uh, you want to talk about? Because the other studies I have are about depression, anxiety. And oh, we have gosh. a podcast on that. So, yeah. but uh, nonetheless, it is related. Like it they, is. they've been able to link totally. it totally. Um, and it's interesting what they found with pre. So, if someone is diagnosed with anxiety and/or depression preoperatively, they have worse functional outcomes postoperatively. 
you know, so the way you are feeling before, you know, it, whether it's depressed, anxious, whatever, that could affect post-operative. And that kind of makes sense. But we need better screening for it, you know, in our healthcare system. Like people, so the way our healthcare system works, unfortunately, it's we've normalized surgery. So someone goes in, doc, I'm having this pain. Oh, let's take an image. And the image shows tearing. We already said that three out of four people, for the most part, will, will have some degeneration to their rotator cuff. So now the doctor's going to see that and be like, oh, I can operate on this, right? But now we haven't screened the person. Do you have depression? Do you have anxiety? Are you, do you have diabetes? Do you have early, like insulin, any, any form of insulin resistance? What's yep. your fasting insulin? All this kind of yes. stuff. So now yes. we get to this point where they just look at it based on the image, like, oh, this is torn. I can fix this. Okay. That's great. But at the same time, let's screen this person and say, do they have these other factors that might make their outcomes not too great? And they might end up back on my table a couple of times. Yeah. yeah do we you don't think, that. Do you think that's going to change? No, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think no. so either. But if you guys listening, if, if this is you, you've been dealing with shoulder pain, doctor told you you've had come see us because we'll try to screen you for that we're not going to necessarily treat your depression or anxiety but if you were we're open to talking about it if you have it we might say hey look maybe surgery's not for you right now you know let's go see someone else that can help you through this and we treat you as a whole person not just your your shoulder your rotator cuff and we say you know what let's let's attack you know, these other variables first, these root causes that are playing a role and let's address them. And then you'll go for surgery. You know, the surgery is always going to be on the table. You know, the surgeon will still do the surgery oh, yeah. later on because yeah. the, the rotator cuff, it's got some, some capacity, like your whole body has capacity to heal itself. But if we're not changing what's causing that rotator cuff tear or that, that rotator cuff to be, um, you know, traumatized, then it's not, it's not going to heal. It's not going to be in a good position to heal itself. Right. So we have to change those root causes, those underlying factors, you know, whether it's a mechanics thing, the tissue is just weak. There's not enough muscle mass in there. There's too much fatty tissue that's infiltrated it. Whatever the case is, we don't change those. It's not going to heal very well. So surgery will still be on the table. Yeah, and I always tell people too, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, yeah. you get better. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. And if you don't get better, then you have surgery. But once you have surgery, you can't come back from that. That is what it is. That's and you, you have to play the cards that you it's were dealt. So, um, you know, and a lot of times you can be successful without the surgery. You know, it really all depends on what level of, of, you know, activity you're in and what you want to get back to. I mean, those are all things that play into your decision-making, but, um, I think just knowing all the facts before you just take somebody's word for it is yeah. worth it. Yeah. Just take sure. our word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are going uh, to be, so, um, we're going to be talking about this one kid that we just had that had uh, an ACL retear, supposedly. Um, and we found some stuff that uh, leads it to believe that it might not be. And uh, we're going to wait until that one comes out on the next Reckless um, in the Rack episode, which I believe is in a couple more weeks. So we're only um, going to tell you about it if we're right. So oh, we're, we're right. I'm 100%. I'll say it on. I'll say it right now. We're right. Um, but no, we'll we wanna, still, how about that? We'll still tell you about it if we're wrong. We're going to tell true. you guys no matter what. That's true. Okay. Um, trying so, to be transparent. Yep. So right now we're kind of going through the process where this kid is actually going to get a couple more opinions and I'm kind of curious to see where this goes, but we are, this is a perfect situation in which the imaging was not clear. And, you know, based on our differential diagnosis in the clinic, looking at the individual as an individual and not as a picture, and what he could do and what he could do, what he said he was feeling, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all that kind of which stuff. you can totally relate to these rotator cuff tears is really going to be, um, 
it's going to be good for you all to hear and, and you can make a better decision as to what you guys need to do next. Yeah. So see, we don't, tuned. we don't really deal with that many shoulders. Chad brings a knee back into it. So <laughs> it just happened to happen. No, I know. I know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people. I actually have uh, someone right now that scheduled rotator cuff surgery came to me for a training. That's right. That's right. And I said, yes. you mind if I just look at your shoulder? Yes. And then uh, I said, man, this shoulder looks really good. Um, I was like, how, tell me what, what happened with this whole surgery thing. And she's actually been feeling a lot better overall. And she was just like, oh no, I just, I, I put it on the schedule for the, for this time because I didn't want to do it during this time. And I was like, well, what if you give me six weeks and see what we can do? Maybe put this off. And I'm not saying you never need this, but maybe you don't need it right now. And, and she like, tried oh, to be great. Yeah. She had yeah. like one or two visits with, with a PT as well. And she, I think she gave up on it. You know, but yeah. she wasn't really given a chance. Yeah. So now, and I, I don't think she was provided the right information so that she could make the best decision and, as to where to go. And that's crucial. And that's because, in the language. Yes. The language is crucial because what I asked her what she had done in the previous PT and they were doing some good stuff. They were actually targeting a lot of thoracic spine. So mid back scapular mobility, shoulder blade mobility and all this other stuff. So they weren't necessarily just giving her like you know, rotations, like just strengthen this up. They were giving her a lot of good stuff, but they didn't explain why, that's right. that's you right. know, and that's crucial because yep. they have to understand that they could go to you and be like, oh man, this stuff seems great, but like my shoulder still hurts. <laughs> but if you don't understand why they're doing that, your shoulder could still hurt. Like pain's very complex. We've talked about that on numerous podcasts, but if you understand why you're doing something and it still doesn't feel great, but you understand like this could help me in the long run, that's a much better situation than totally. you're just doing it just because someone told you to do it. Yeah, and so, and and somebody understands the plan of care, right? So, like, if you say, oh, this is definitely going to happen in the next couple of weeks. This might even happen in the next few weeks. If it happens, you'd be like, all right, you said this was going to happen. Okay, I'm ready. Like, I, 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 I was expecting this, you know, not to say, oh, this, this started happening. Oh, yeah, that's okay. That's normal. And they're like, well, you never told me that was normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now they start questioning what they're doing. Yeah, so, so um, the language is huge. So, I, I think uh, that has a lot of weight as to you know the decision making process for a lot for a lot of people out there for sure yeah all cool. right i think um did we, we get it yeah we got a we got a flight to catch pretty soon i right? know i know we're on our way to orlando today we're going to a coaching conference it's called raise the bar we just want to get so out of the cold weather That's we actually all. just want to get the hell out of here because we're supposed to get some more snow tomorrow so we're like you know what let's do this um <laughs> we just got a foot of snow the other day so we're we're over it it's almost time so i think that's good we got a new uh, guest. Actually, we got guests coming in next week. And um, we actually have the crew from Renegade Movement and Performance coming in. And if you haven't heard of them, they are, they're basically the New Hampshire version of us. They're, they're crushing, they're crushing Truth. life. They're crushing. They don't have as much space as us, though. That's true. But they, they crush it. They do awesome. They do awesome work. Um, yeah, it's uh, owned and operated by uh, Dr. Alexis and Kyle Brunel. And um, we've known them over the last, uh, probably close to the last, like, close to the year. Close to the year. Um, I actually met them. I met Alexis through, actually, Shante Cofield. Uh, shout out to you, Movement Maestro. Some of you guys might know her. And uh, I actually took a course with her uh, last year. And Alexis does a lot of that stuff for Shante. So she's like, hey, Chad, you're like right down the road from me. Why haven't we uh, met? And I'm like, I don't know. We should do that though. So <laughs> so um, they came to one of our workshops. You know, we've been talking back and forth. Um, so they're going to come in. Um, they're, you know, like-minded individuals like us. So we're, we're super excited about this episode. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, it's going to be a lot of um, knowledge bombs dropped, I'm sure. And uh, I can 
promise you it's probably going to be a lot of real talk because they're just like us. They don't care. Yeah, um, it will be. They'll tell you like it is. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be excited for this one. So um, look out for that. I'm excited for it. So moral of the story. It's not one of my best ones, but I'm, I'm still excited about it. Um, <laughs> instead of saying what the cup, let's start with what the cuff. That's, that's first. Um, we've said this a million times on the podcast, but be your own health scientist. Um, great cook. You know, there's not a lot of things I love about the stuff that he does, but this one thing I can get with, he, uh, he made the quote, moving isn't important until you can't. And that's, that's what we see a lot of. That's what we see a lot of. Um, this will really affect most people's decision when they first have pain, especially if it's limiting their function. I mean, our society today has created this feeling of having just immediate results. They want to be done, right? Let's get the surgery. Let's just be done with it and, and, and move on, right? Um, this can probably work pretty well for a Google search or an IG post, but not on your body. Your body's a different animal. And the body is amazing. As Aaron Murray once said, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So be patient. Don't rush into surgery. Um, good things take time. And remember, sometimes you have to go through the worst to get to the best. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.